0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very, very accomplished entrepreneur and investor from Switzerland, Mr. Vas Gorev. Vas, welcome to the show.
1: Dr. Garg, thank you for having me.
0: Vas is an entrepreneur and an investor. He's got many, many things that he's doing. But today, let's talk to him about advisory boards. As you've set up several advisory boards, let me start by asking you, what is the difference between a board of directors and an advisory board?
1: Right. So the main, the most important difference is fiduciary duty.
2: Mm. When you
1: have a board of directors, it owes a duty to shareholders. And when you have an advisory board, it's basically, uh, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. So you can have them under a formal agreement, you can assign them formal duties, Mm -hmm. you can give them formal agenda, but it's open to you and it's not regulated by Mm anyone.
0: Okay. And uh, are there many types of advisory boards?
1: Uh, Basically, I would say as many as you want, because Mm -hmm. an advisory boards, you can structure around your own needs. Mm -hmm so it can be focused uh, let's call it on prestige so you want some stellar personalities some very accomplished businessmen to be mm-hmm. next to you you know to use them as social proof of street cred for your investors and potential mm-hmm. clients right you can focus on business development goals mm-hmm. so you would need people who would help you acquire new business and get new customers for example mm-hmm. You can focus on fundraising goals where, you know, the people would be most in fundraising. Mm -hmm. You can focus on advice where people just happen to have experience that you want at this point in time and this specific part of your business. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: And many, many others. For example, uh, at Alchemist Accelerator, which I'm a part of, we have Mm -hmm. uh, something which is called Customer Advisory Board. Mm -hmm. Basically, you are proactively putting together a group of people who would represent your target customer group. So they, not, not, they not, need not be very senior executives, for example, mm. but for you, they will represent the very relevant experience and, asks and tasks and questions
0: mm-hmm.
1: you would need for your product at this point of time.
0: Mm, interesting. And as compared to a board of directors, what are the advantages or disadvantages of setting up an advisory board?
1: Uh, my personal view is uh, everyone should get an advisory board in mm-hmm. any business there with, honestly, mm-hmm. because with very limited risk, if any, you get advice, you get experience, you get very uh, knowledgeable people sharing their, you know, falls and up-downs uh, in a very honest and open way, mm-hmm. and actually because of the fact that there is no legal responsibility,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you'll be surprised how open they would be from advice. So you know, they, they, they might not talk to you about something where they're formerly uh, members of the board of directors, mm-hmm. but their advisors, they might be more open. Mm. And, and uh, so, yeah, go, please, go ahead,
0: go ahead, please, please yeah,
1: go ahead. Speaking about downsides, I think uh, a very important downside, potential downside is uh intuitively if you're lucky uh, enough to put together a stellar board mm. they can start to outshine you a little bit because especially if you're an entrepreneur mm. someone who is just starting doing a business
2: mm. and your
1: advisors are very accomplished CEOs you know, with, with multiple years under their belt mm. there is a risk uh, of you just pretty much delegating them all the decisions just because they're so experienced so mm. it's important to remember that's Uh, in in the end of the day, it's your business, it's your responsibility, Mm -hmm. and you are the one responsible for for the decisions.
0: Mm, Well said. And I I want to also get another perspective from you, you know, as one gets older, in my own case, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 66 very soon, I have stopped accepting board positions, because of the fiduciary responsibility, so I've told friends who want me on their board, I said I'll be and join your advisory board, not your board of directors. What are your thoughts on this?
1: I think well, I think it's smart. I think uh again, uh there is no uh limits on moving from advisory to a board member, for example. Mm. You know, if once you get to know the company, once you get to know the processes, you get to know the people better. And uh, you can always join the board formally, but being an advisor is a good way to start, mm. again, because you just kind of you, you're in, in control of what what you can do with this position, Correct. and learn about the business in the meantime, and offer value in the meantime.
0: Very interesting. And when you are uh, given a mandate to put together an advisory board, what is the process you follow? And uh, how do you interview and appoint them?
1: So it all depends on the on the ask or on the task because mm-hmm. uh there is a you know there is a possibility of taking the easy way, so to speak, and just mm-hmm. reaching out, you know, to a usual network and just you know f- pick whoever has you know yeah, the right. highest quote unquote position. Mm-hmm. But I think it it should be tailored to you know to the task at hand. Mm. So you'll be looking at someone who has done or you know what you are expecting to be doing, or who has been somewhere you're you know about to get to. Mm. The trick is to make sure they they won't way too far ahead, if you know mm. what I mean. So you want someone who you know who has been there, but kind of just has been there, mm. and. There's a small, uh, well, it's a personal hint for for you and for your listeners. Mm. Uh, Look at failed startups, especially if you're in a startup world. Mm. If you're looking for advisory, look for someone who tried doing something in this business Mm -hmm. and didn't succeed. Mm. Counterintuitively, it's a great asset to have. And it's a great selling point to a potential partners and investors because once you have someone in the room, especially you know who, uh, who you know who obviously has gone past the MVP stage,
2: mm. who says,
1: "Look, you know, I've been doing this mm-hmm. I invested 10 million dollars on this. Yep. I feel. and this guy gets it right. Yeah, that's a great angle.
2: Mm.
1: And I mean, every time I've done this, it, it works perfectly. And Again, many, many, many things a held entrepreneur can teach you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which would be of value to the business and that would help you get ahead.
0: Very interesting. But another perspective that I've uh, been speaking to many people, and if they have a board of directors and an advisory board, how do they handle conflict, if any, between the advice uh, the entrepreneur is receiving from both of them?
1: Well, uh, there is a formal way to answer this question, and yeah. in, formally, of course, you know the people who have fiduciary duty they would naturally be more cautious, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the end of the day, their decisions are formal. Like mm-hmm. whenever the board decides something, it has to be implemented. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's put in the minutes. It's a written form. It is not an advice. It's something that you should execute. on. Mm-hmm. Advisors, on the other hand, yeah, it's, a, it's informal. It must be the most uh, prudent device, this piece you know, of, of, of uh, suggestions that you get, mm. but you don't have to follow up on that. Mm. Uh, my uh, personal experience is that if you sense and if you see any kind of emerging conflict or emerging disagreement, the mm. best way is to put everyone in the same room off record mm-hmm. and just have them talk openly to each other.
2: Mm.
1: So you can, I mean, you can call it uh, like an advice uh, it, it shouldn't be a board committee, for example, but mm-hmm. it could be something like a, you know, a, a working group uh, at the board committee for strategy, for example. Mm. Basically, you get everyone you want in the room, like a bunch of people, it, off the record, no minutes, no nothing. None of the suggestions, you know, have any, any legal power to be implemented. Mm-hmm. But basically, you have people talk to each other. And more often than not, there would be some uh, solution will emerge in
2: these conversations.
0: Mm. Very, very interesting. Uh, You also spoke very briefly about not bringing friends, for example, on an advisory board. But I've seen this very often, uh, where, you know, someone knows someone, someone knows someone is my relative, this is my cousin, this is my whatever. And that's how the advisory board gets filled up. And then, the the entrepreneur gets frustrated because they're not getting the advice that they want. So my question to you, Vas, is that how does one set up roles, expectations, and deliverables for an advisory board?
1: That's a great question. So uh, my personal approach and my advice to you is mm. to have a small two-page uh, mandate that outlines you know briefly what your company does what you want to achieve and for what specific task you mm-hmm. want this advisor to join you
2: mm-hmm. and why mm-hmm.
1: usually when you do this and when you are not you know sending like massive emails not recommended mm-hmm. and when you carefully research every single board candidate that kind of puts the conversation on the right track from the get-go mm-hmm. so you know you set up the frame person knows what you want to expect and then for example if you're early stage and you know you're just raising capital you're a startup it not it needs not to be a formal you know relationship with an agreement mm-hmm. but once you proceed you can always set up a very small i mean very simple uh frameworkish like agreement like fast you know the, the one that they use in silicon valley mm-hmm. to formalize your relationship with the with the advisor that just briefly in very generic terms outlines what you expect from them in terms of, you know, new business, advice, Mm -hmm. quarterly meetings, attending the calls, answering the emails, et Mm -hmm. cetera, et cetera. But going back to your question about friends, I think as a policy, just one should just kind of cut off the first, you know, the first, uh, the immediate uh, line of contacts, so to speak. So, you know, first degree contacts, no, because, well, frankly, because, you know, if they're friends, you'll always, be able to get their advice anyway, without kind I of like, getting them on board, right? But getting introduced by them, for example, is okay, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of, start, I mean, it's one of the best ways to, to find new people, you know, the warm introductions, okay. right? So someone that you know. But immediate context, I suggest not use, because I mean, usually yeah, it kind of undermines the whole idea of, mm-hmm. you know, having people who would openly say to your face things that sometimes would not be very pleasant, which mm-hmm. is a great thing, by the way, right? Mm. You know, uh, in comparison to your friends who you know would value relationship and who you know who love you and who do not want to hurt you, and they'll be like you know, probably holding some things back just because you know they value you as a friend and not as a business partner.
0: Very interesting. The other thing uh, about appointment is that when it comes to a board of directors, there is usually a nominations committee of the board that goes through and. Recommends new names
1: to right. the board. Right.
0: Do you recommend that uh, the nominations committee of the board also get involved in selection of advisory board members?
1: I think uh, you should cast the net as wide as possible. Mm-hmm. It, it never hurts, but the final decision should be yours. Mm-hmm. And if you want to. Uh, ask for help from your board members which you could do you should be very precise and open from the get-go that you would be making the final decision yourself
2: mm-hmm. and
1: any person that comes through both you know they, they would be kind of going through the same process with you than any other person mm. from, uh, uh, you know, from elsewhere mm. and that way I think you would be able to get more candidates but not set any extra expectations with the board that you frankly would not want to follow well
0: said well said so i uh, my if you're moving on um when you talk about uh, an advisory board for a startup
1: right
0: um if there is private equity involved and a lot of startups get private equity, what is the way a private equity investor can be convinced to bring an advisory board
1: uh well the f- firstly if you start small and you are not offering any uh, compensation should it be stock or you know or, or capital or whatever to your to your advisors this is not the conversation where the investor has a say Correct. you're a founder mm. you're making decisions for your own company if you want someone someone to get involved in this, you know and you want someone opinion then you can just do that you know, mm. of course you know there is uh, an additional layer of uh Potential legal, uh, legal issues with you actually sharing some sensitive information with someone from the outside, and that's where, they, where the investors and you know and your lawyers, by the way, would have a say. But other than that, I think this is a conversation when your investors, you know, kind of plays a second role and they're not actually involved. Of course, as you proceed, uh, and it, once you want to make a more formal agreement with your advisors, since you would be giving out stock or options or you know whatever. Uh, this is something that you would discuss with them. But uh, I think in these days, in the US, definitely, and um, in Europe and Asia, growing so, uh, advisory boards are more of a norm rather than not. So uh, I think uh, having a potential advisory board conversation would not be uh, of, any, you know, mm. of any negative uh, essence for your investors. And by the way, if you can't convince your investor you need an advisor, mm. that's something you should think about, right? Either you, you know, either the okay. uh, the logic yep. that you put behind this conversation is not convincing enough, you know. Hence, you should ask yourself, do I really need these advisors mm. or not? Mm. Uh, or maybe your investor doesn't understand something about your business. Mm. Again, this is something that you should, you know, kind of hit the pause button for a second and think about
2: mm. you know, why, point.
1: yeah.
0: Go ahead. you were saying something?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I was just finishing up. So, you know, why, why I, I know that I need some advisors and my investor doesn't think I do,
2: you know, mm.
1: have I oversold myself? You know, do they have a different view on the business? Am I not communicating enough? There are a bunch of questions, very timely questions that you could ask yourself.
0: Fantastic. Great response. Thank you. Uh, and your response gives me the segue to my next question, which was the compensation. Right, And you did refer to it in your earlier response, but that's what should be the strategy for compensation of advisory board members with cash, stocks, or both?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I think early enough, once you precede your early stage, you're just mm-hmm. getting to know people, everything should be pro bono. If an advisor kind of you know asks you for stock or
2: yeah.
1: cash from the get go, it's usually a warning sign. Mm. So usually it's a pro bono relationship where you should give some time for yourself and for you know for your potential advisor to to get to know each other, to get to know mm. the business, to see how you resonate, you know how can you can you communicate? Does he or she follow up uh, on what they promised to do? Are they actually? Offering you any value that you expected, et cetera, et cetera. So once you proceed, once your business is hopefully growing, you're raising capital, then you're moving more to a, towards a very formal relationship, mm-hmm. which implies an agreement, uh, which by now, again, is something that became a kind of an industry standard, the FAST agreement, or something similar under, you know, under the law uh, where you're at, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, outlines basically several layers of involvement from an advisor depending mm. on the stage where a business is at, mm. so be, you know, a pre with someone like doing a quote-unquote normal advisory where you just uh, have them attend quarterly meetings and just answer emails, you know, once in a while mm. uh, to talk to you about, you know, general direction of the business that you are aiming to take. And you can take it up to, you know, to the C stage level or growth stage when you have someone is very, very, very involved in this advisor, mm. where they have this quarterly, uh, weekly meetings, where they constantly on every call you call them, you have them introduce you to potential customers, you have mm. them introduce you to potential investors, you have them physically at the meetings, you know, with you when talking to someone. And depending, you know, on the level of involvement, mm-hmm. you get you set up the range for investing stock. Uh, at first, I think they uh, the usual range is from 0.5%, I think, to so 0.2% to 1% max. Uh, I've seen more uh, in my experience. I think the largest one I saw was 5%, mm-hmm. but that was for a person that was literally a full-time essentially full like time
2: yeah. you
1: know CEO advisor position he was there twice a week uh, he was on every call mm. he was you know essentially he was putting to use his own brand mm. you know the topic that we discussed on this mm. very podcast by the way mm-hmm. to, to, to use for the company you know so that that is something that requires of course a larger commitment and yeah. larger compensation
0: very interesting Uh. My next question to you is that you know every advisory board meeting costs money
2: right.
0: for the entrepreneur. How can an entrepreneur hold their advisory board members
1: accountable? That's a good question, especially given that they don't have any fiduciary duty to, to the shareholders. Yeah. Uh, um, I would say that the you know that the best outcome would be you know the entrepreneur. Uh, doing such a good a job in yeah. selecting and vetting the candidates mm-hmm. so he doesn't or he or she you know, doesn't have to hold them accountable because mm-hmm. they are by definition so you know the, the first advice is just be very picky be very selective you know don't chase the first CEO that you meet yeah know your worst know your business potential mm. and in, in a way this conversation with potential advisor is just any conversation it's a sale you're selling your business right mm. in exchange for their time so you know be proud of what you do like don't undersell yourself mm. you're doing a great business you're you know you're going to be successful and you're offering them to be a part of this success so again in a way wonderful it's something that should be you know should, should be on you but then again, uh, once you get to the more formal stage, mm. you know, the relationship, the, there is something in the docs, in the fast agreement, or something that you have mm. that formally requires them to be there, you know, once a month. If they not show up, well, I mean, have a conversation first, right? Uh, because after all, they're all well su- 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 successful executives, mm. so they have a reputation, no matter how busy they are. So they don't, you know, they don't, they don't want to be. Uh, known on the street as someone who offered their help and advice and wisdom, not follow up on that. Especially for for established executives like yourself, you know know that it's something something that you have with you always is your reputation and you never want to undermine that.
0: Wonderful. You know, when I was reading about you, Vas, there was also uh, talk about, uh, you mentioned about your experience in putting together an advisory board for a startup airline. Right. Tell me what you did and some of your experiences.
1: Yeah, it was a very interesting gig because at the point I had actually no experience in aviation. So uh, it was a no-brainer that for a young startup that aims to do something as ambitious as starting an airline, Mm. a stellar advisory board is a must. So uh, I learned quite a few lessons in this uh, process. I would say first Mm -hmm. one is there is no no right?
2: Mm-hmm. If you reach
1: out to people and uh, even if they say no, yeah, you always ask a follow-up question. You know, can you recommend me something or someone mm. who might be a better fit than you? Mm. And you would be surprised at how responsive people are. I can tell you that uh, our idea was to have uh, hopefully one uh, former C-level executive from a major airline to join mm-hmm. us. We ended up having three former CEOs of American and European mm-hmm. airlines and advisory boards. Amazing. Pretty amazing. And I can tell you, I reached out to more than 300 people, uh, more than 200 responded again. Mm-hmm. It was like cold emails, no, nothing. I mean, little to no introductions. Mm-hmm. I had more than hundred conversations either via, you know, phone on in person to follow up
2: mm-hmm. and we
1: ended up picking three. And I can tell you even with those who, who said no, I, it has been 10 years ago, but I'm still in touch. Uh, again, this process, like the, the, the results keep on giving, surprisingly mm. enough. And it was such a huge lesson for me, right? Yeah. Because I mean, all of us, again, no matter how experienced you are, it's a little bit tough to reach out to someone who doesn't know you, right? Because Correct. if you get no response, it kind of, it feels bad. But yeah. I mean, my advice is just, just do it. Like literally there is no downside to reaching out to people. Mm. That's yes, the that, you know the 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 one outcome that you have to say in one sentence that it is there is no downside to reaching out to people.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And my last question to you, and this is for the many, many people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your amazing journey and experience, what would you say are three lessons? Um, other than, of course, what you've just said, there is no no uh Great. that you would like our viewers and listeners to take away from your journey and from our conversation
1: uh dream big work hard uh and stay positive no matter what i think this is this is the main three i i i takeaways for now and you know, ask me in 10 years maybe something will change but i doubt
0: well maybe we'll come and have another conversation 10 years from now but Hopefully. but Bras, on that note and your three amazing lessons, take big, work hard, and stay positive. And uh my big takeaway from you is there is no no, you know, there's no harm in reaching out to people. And you never know when a connection will get made. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about advisory boards. Thank you for taking to me that taking me through so many different aspects. Of an advisory board and I'm sure a lot of our startup viewers and listeners uh, will uh, take away a lot of knowledge from what you've told us. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck.
1: Thank you so much. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The
0: Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world.